This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. And this week, we talked to Nibosh's Chief Operating Officer, D. Arp, who's a Chartered Safety and Health Practitioner for the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, IOSH, and a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Educational Assessors. He moved into the Occupational Health and Safety 20 years ago whilst working with the Royal Society for Prevention of Accidents. After becoming a qualified health and safety practitioner, she taught a wide range of courses and worked with several boards to implement safety governance. Prior to joining Nibosh, Dee had roles as a course developer, the head of occupational safety for ROSPA, and as Nibosh chief operating officer, Dee has responsibility for providing leadership on all matters relating to qualification of development and assessment of NEBOSH qualifications and compliance matters, including learning partner accreditation. He previously worked with Cambridge University for the Certificate of Continuing Continuing Education, uh, Principles and Practices of Assessment, and is now undertaking further studying with Cambridge University for a Master's in Education. Awesome. I was just reading her bio because you guys need to know D like I have. And truly, it is my pleasure. We had such a wonderful conversation. Uh, we met during uh, it was a global event and I've worked with this group before and they're called Global EHS Professionals. D was one of the speakers there. I was actually helping. Um, I was one of the hosts. I was using uh, one of the services that I do use to help people host events. Uh, so I was, uh, I was the host this time. I was the behind-the-scenes guy hosting the event. So it was kind of cool getting to know her. And truly, I felt like uh, I really, really, really needed to, to get to understand her a little bit better. So what I ended up doing was asking her to join on the show, and she just so graciously did it. And it's been like, it was really cool. I, I truly, truly, truly enjoyed this one. So uh, we talked about just about everything regarding Nibosh. I needed to really understand that a little bit better because I wanted to be international. I am an international company. However, uh, when I do work, it's usually in the Caribbean. And I've heard a lot of people talking about Nibosh, and I knew I needed to get their certification. So I said, let me see if we could work this out. And Dee was so gracious to uh, be on air with me. So this was great. And uh, I got a good understanding of how, you know, as me as being a instructional designer and also thinking of, hmm, there's some courses I might want to see if I could get an EBOS certification in. And she got my mind kind of thinking and giving me the process of how to do it and telling me all the importance of all the different degrees, certifications that they have. So I was really intrigued and getting that little taste that I got from D. And it was just wonderful for me to just get that understanding of how I need to, uh, it's almost like a pathway to get into the international market. And and I, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to do it. So you look for those 
initials and the back of my name coming in pretty soon, coming from the, the NEBOS certification uh, family. But either way, we had a wonderful time. I like to thank Zoe Godwin, uh, well, Goodwin. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe. Thanks, Zoe, for, for putting this all together. Zoe is the head of marketing, and, and it's, it feels really good. I just kind of appreciate that. So uh, I am going to go straight into this one. So we're not going to have a commercial in between uh, me and Dee. So you're just going to hear her start up with her introduction. But after this, there won't be a tip of the week. Um, kind of like phasing that out. I don't know. If you guys really want it back, then email me at Sheldon at SheldonPrimus.com. And, uh, and I'll go ahead and, and work that one. But I just really want you guys to enjoy the conversation I had with Dee and truly Hopefully, it's going to spark things for you to go ahead and, and get behind Nibosh and, and see if you could get certified or accredited through them. All right. So I won't hear you after this. You're just going to hear after uh, Dee's uh, sign off, you're going to hear our music leading us out. So I'm going to tell you what I always tell you. Go get them. My name's Dee Arp, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at NEBOSH. Uh, that's the National Examination Board for Occupational Safety and Health. Excellent. And um, NEBOSH has been all, the, for me, it's just been like a, truly, it's an enigma. <laughs> I, uh, I've seen it around, I see the NEBOSH certification, and, and I'm kind of thinking, all right, is this a hybrid of college courses and then also a certificate uh, where you uh, you get your different courses because you guys offer a master's as well, correct? We, we do, Sheldon, yes. So we're, we're historically a, an awarding body. So we accredit our learning partners around the globe, you know, 48 countries and, and, and the UK. We accredit those learning partners to deliver our courses and, and qualifications. And for the master's, we partner with the university to to deliver that level of qualification as well. Wow. And I was uh, doing the time, uh, one of your uh, guidance documents basically gives an allotment for how much time you should allot in hours for classroom time versus uh, time for uh, practical. And then I'm thinking, well, if I'm doing the math right uh, and you're doing this part time, uh, maybe upwards to 10 to 15 hours in a week even up to 20 hours in a week, you're really looking for most certifications as a, a six month, uh, six month to a year commitment almost. Am I right in my math there? I think that's a good approximation, Sheldon. You know, depending which qualification you're doing and, and which level, at least that time, you know, maybe for our diploma level qualifications, which would be, you know, the benchmark for a health and safety professional. You know, some of our learners do that even over two or three years to stage out the assessments and to, you know, to stage out the, the learning as well. Hmm. Excellent. Excellent. How, how'd you get here? What's, what's your path uh, from, you know, uh, your career? What, what led you to, to uh, uh, I, serving in this way? That's, that's a great question. I, I think like many uh, health and safety professionals it, it's not where I started or where I, I set my intentions for a career it was kind of a a, 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 a wibbly wobbly journey if you like <laughs> so my background is actually in engineering specifically so I did a indenture with a local authority in the 
And after four years of being in different departments, I guess the link with safety started then, but that was in the accident investigation and prevention team. But that was specifically for road traffic accidents. So in that team, we were responsible for investigating road traffic accidents, but from the point of view of the highway infrastructure to see if there was any contributive factors, any causal factors that we could change in that infrastructure to stop the accidents happening again. Uh, Part of my training in that role involved attending a a ROSPA course, so that's called Society for the Prevention of Accidents, and that was a two-week residential course, and that began what has been a career-long relationship with ROSPA. Uh, And on completion of that course, I was very honoured to be asked back to tutor on that course. And when a permanent role came up at Rosper a few years later, it was a natural progression for me to leave the local authority I was working with and take up that position with Rosper. And that was a role as technical manager. So it was still very much on the road safety side of things. And then Rosper began what was an incredibly important piece of work on managing occupational road risk. Mm. So this was led by a wonderful man called Roger Bibbings, who recognised that there was a real need to move the management of occupational road risk into the occupational health and safety space uh, to be managed as, as an occupational risk. So they didn't have anybody in the training department at that time that had road safety background. Yeah. So that was when I really made a step from road safety into the occupational health and safety space. So I started to work with Roger on putting together a training course for organisations on how to manage occupational road risk. But then to fully fulfil that role, I then needed to start to learn more about occupational health and safety and deliver other OSPA courses on occupational health and safety. So that was my first connection with NEBOSH. Ah. So to learn about occupational health and safety, I did my NEBOSH general certificate over that year span that you, you, you spoke about, yeah. and then my NEBOSH diploma. Wow. So that enabled me to deliver not only NEBOSH courses, but some other great roster courses that, that were out there then about manual handling and safety people handling and safety representatives and a whole wonderful portfolio. So, yeah, that then began what, again, has been a a lifelong relationship with with NEBOSH. So along that journey, I became an examiner for NEBOSH while still working at ROSPA. Mm -hmm. And I also was a trustee for NEBOSH at at, at one period of time. So when a full-time role came up at NEBOSH, again, it was a very natural transition for me to apply for what was then the standards manager role about 14 years ago. So, yeah, 14 years ago, I moved from Rosper full-time to Nibosh. Uh, and then since then, I've been very much involved with products, assessment, accreditation, all the quality standards with what, what we've been Nibosh. Uh, but again, I'm very blessed, Sheldon. I've re- maintained a wonderful relationship with Rosper and continued ever since I left to be a judge on their Health and Safety Awards. Oh. Uh, and last year, I was appointed chair of the Sir George L Trophy Panel that, that award to you know, the entrant that has just shown the most inspirational work towards managing health and safety. So, yeah, like wow. I said, a bit of a weekly route, you know, not where I intended to be, but 
absolutely blessed on that journey. And I think what's kept me on the health safety journey in the past is, you know, the amazing people that you meet along the way, like yourself and all the other wonderful colleagues we have. And to be inspired by that shared vision that we all have, which mm-hmm. is as simple as work into that mission and that, that those values that every single person who goes to work has the absolute right to leave that workplace wherever that may be as safe and healthy as they, they entered it yeah uh, and that's what's kept me on that path you know to be able to contribute to to, to that has kept me in, in this amazing world of health and safety wow uh, did you have a passion for it at the beginning or did it cre- did the passion start building great question uh I think it started building, you know, when I became involved in, you know, way back, you know, so many years ago in the accident investigation prevention, it's that harsh reality that you are actually, you know, making a difference. Uh, and, and when I started delivering training, you know, what always drove me was if one person leaves here with some information that can help save another individual from harm, you know, my day has been beyond worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So the passion, the passion grew, you know, and as I say, once you start meeting other people along the way and sharing that passion, you can really see, you know, the vision and, and the difference that collectively we make. Wow. I have a business partner for my, my consulting business because, you know, this, this is a, uh, the, the podcast side is, is almost a labor of love, but my business side, uh, I do have a business partner and we, we are active uh, safety consultants and he's ex OSHA and, uh, he worked with OSHA to the degree that he got into the assistant area and area director position. But, uh, he took a part of the OSHA investigation for fatalities and the stories he would tell me on roadway fatalities that was cross jurisdiction between OSHA and Department of Transportation in the U.S. and some of the other things. And, there's been a real big one that he was a part of. He was the lead investigator of the one where, if you remember years back, there was a SeaWorld accident, which is uh, one of the theme parks here where they have killer yeah. whales. Uh, he was the lead investigation of the fatality involved in one of these killer whales. And he's telling me the, the story of what they see. And then from there, I could see his empathy towards not only uh, the workers, but then the family members and the clients. Yeah. And uh, I'm imagining that you probably were, uh, most people don't get to see that part. So they don't know. They really just think of, well, safety persons telling me to put on my glasses or wear my hard hat. Yeah. And they think of that as being silly, but coming from your perspective, you, you've seen the worst working your way towards what we might say is something simple as, you know, wearing your PPE. Yeah. What kind of perspective uh, did uh, that give absolutely. you? Absolutely. And, and that's the power of the health and safety professional. It, it, you know, that's where you get your buy-in. Yes, we've got, and rightly so, the, the legalities and the rules and regulations to follow. Yes, we've got all the financial benefits of putting in an effective health and safety management system. But, you know, safety is not something you do to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the legalities of finances are... are if not in a cultural way, or what we do to people, you know, to really embrace improvements in health and safety, we need to take every individual on that that journey. You know, they need to be part of it and not have safety done to them. And that's how you can really get that 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 buy-in to make them understand that 
yes, there's laws, yes, there's financial benefits, but at the end of the day, we're doing this because we value you. Yeah. Uh, and and beyond that, you know, you hit a really good point, Sheldon. I always used to describe it as the pebble in the pond. You know, any incident or accident, there's that initial trauma to the person, the individual or individuals that are affected, mm-hmm. but then the effects just go on and on. You know, it's that person's family, it's their friends, it, it's the colleagues, it, it's it's the impact just goes way beyond the initial time and day of that, that incident. Wow. Uh, your passion comes through in your words. And to me, it kind of seems like, um, like it's more of a mission. And to me, it also has a connotation of, uh, you know, in the, in the religious world, you'll say an evangelist, if you will. Um, it seems like you have that kind of, uh, feel behind your words. Uh, is that safe to say? I hope so, Sheldon. That's really kind of you to say that. You know, it, what we all do, it, it matters. And I think that's, for me, you know, the movement from Rosper to Nebosch has really developed that in me more because it's great to get a Nebosch qualification. We love to be able to give a, a wonderful certificate and parchment to our successful learners. But for me, the passion is the learning that they obtain on that journey. And I think sometimes people can get distracted and be very much focused on the assessment endpoint, whereas what actually matters is is the learning and actually being able to apply that learning when they go back back to work. So any shortcuts on that journey are, are, are not are not a good thing. Yeah, we want them to get the, the certification and the qualification, of course, yeah. but it's what have I learned and how can I apply that in the workplace to make a difference and, and make that workplace a better place for my colleagues, their friends, their families, and, and so on. Wow. Um, what kind of students are you usually seeing that, that say, I, I want this NEBA certification. I, I got to have this. What, what kind of students are, are leading towards NEBA certification? Again, a good a good question. I mean, there are other alternatives. And again, you know, Nibosh, we, we embrace that. But what we like to think is that, you know, we, we set the bar really high. You know, our qualifications and that learning journey is very robust. So we're always revisiting, you know, who our qualifications are intended for. And very importantly, the core of what we do, Sheldon, is what do we want that learner to be able to know and do? when they've completed that learning journey and then the assessment at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I think people that recognize you Nebosch for that integral and robust journey, that they're the sort of learners that, that would come to us. And, and what tends to happen, and I've seen this over so many years now, people that have done the Nebosch qualifications themselves tend to end up in different organizations and corporates around the world. And then they want their people to do an each journey as well because you know, they've seen that that robustness and 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 you know, my colleagues like myself it matters to a Sheldon you know we're health and safety people you know what we do matters and you know as an organisation we are we are passionate about that. Hmm. Well, that's great and um and in order to get that kind of result as being an instructional designer myself I know that even down to when you're writing a course uh, you have to make sure that your objectives are measurable, attainable, <laughs> they're smart in the SMART acronym, as uh, most people in management are, are aware of, with specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely goals. It's a S-M-A-R-T acronym. Uh, so yeah. are you looking at your, your um, when people want to submit a course to you guys, or even if it's uh, uh, submitting something that might have a, a end goal of uh, a NEBOS certification that's saying, all right, 
you are now accredited through us. Uh, how, how should they structure that kind of, uh, that kind of material so that the end result will have that kind of integrity? Yeah, so, so we helped them with that, right, Sheldon. So in 2019, we brought in what we call our Learner Partner Programme. And that has six core principles principles within it, which are all focused on the learner. So the learner is absolutely at the heart of what we do and what we want our learner partners to do. So we expect our learning partners to be learner focused. So we look for things like making sure that they've got the right tutor team to deliver the qualifications that they're setting out to deliver. So we want tutors that have got their own qualifications, but are also experienced and can bring life to the learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a vocational awarding body, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about empowering those learners to be able to know and do themselves. And that you know, as you know, that's a skill. You know, we can have people who are very qualified and knowledgeable, but the art of teaching is another is another skill altogether. It's an art, yeah. So we, yeah, so we look for that mix within within the tutors. We look for the learning materials that they're going to use to deliver the courses, uh, and we need that to be dynamic and agile and never more so than in the current environment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, our, a lot of our learning partners delivered face-to-face. And what we've seen come out of, you know, a terrible situation with COVID-19 is some amazingly innovative and creative ways to rethink how, how they teach. So we look at the, the learning wherever that may take place, you know, whether it is in the classroom or, you know, in the last year, 18 months, you know, it's been moving to the, the, digital, the digital classroom and we've seen more of a shift to e-learning. So we look at, at that as part of the, the learning partner submission. We look at, you know, just the basics. Are they a robust organisation? Are, are they a legitimate organisation? Have they got the right structure in place? We do look at those basic things, but, but mostly it's about their ability to look after the learners, deliver good quality training and learning that actually achieves something at, at the end of it. Uh, another passion of mine, children, is you know, we've all done it. We've all had examinations and assessments where, we, where we've crammed knowledge mm-hmm. into, our, into our brains oh, yeah. last minute. Uh, needs must but actually what have we actually learned what's actually been transmitted to our long-term memory that we can call upon in the workplace so I always talk about and this is common in education instead of assessment of learning which is just that cramming last minute let's look at assessment for learning so assessment that actually contributes to your learning and, and, and enhances it and allows the learners to show what they have learned and to demonstrate that the best self. So that, that's another passion of, of mine. Hmm. Would that demonstration be um, in the form of maybe a, a video of uh, this is what we learned and this is how we're putting it into action or something similar to uh, a video presentation? If you know, I'm saying video automatically because, you know, I'm thinking COVID world, as you mentioned. But uh, some video saying here, I am now presenting this material and here's even a case study that we could use. Is that uh, is that the vein that you're thinking of? Uh, it's it's one of the options. So, you know, we have some of our assessments now that are based on a reflective piece. So our leadership qualification, for example, and also incident investigation uh, that they, they actually watch a video of, of an incident and then demonstrate to the tutor how they would deal and and respond to that with our leadership qualification they apply what they've learned to their own organizations reflect on that and the assessment is about 
uh, them looking at what they would put in place to improve that. So, mm. yeah, we, we, we're thinking very long and hard now about assessments not just being theoretical, not being uh, a demonstration of what you can actually remember, but actually showing that you've understood and you can apply this and actually benefit your own organization at the same time. Hmm. That sounds like a, like an augmented learning team, like in the learning team model where you have the facilitator and you have the group and the facilitator basically uh, presents an item such as this and then the group will, will communicate back and forth and then the outcome is a measurable outcome that they could use, tangible outcome. But the team itself, as it being uh, facilitates, uh, the way that they create what this outcome would be would automatically prove that they understand the theories behind it. So it, it kind of sounds to me like an augmented learning team model. Yeah, sure. And, and, and if learning partners can deliver that in their tuition, you know, these are great things that we look for. So within, within our learner partner program, there are three levels. You know, it's a high bar to get in there. Inwards, so we have bronze learning partners, but the kind of thing you about there about really the approach to learning, you know, they are things that our our gold learning is part of their service to the learners, and that we work with our bronze and silver learning partners to to, to build up to. Hmm. Wow! And um, for for the audience, uh, just so that they they could get understand, what's the basic requirement? For each, uh, meaning, can do they have to be nonprofit or can they be private? And then also, do they uh, have to have some sort of um, management structure as opposed to uh, someone who is running their own uh, training business or something similar to that? Because we do have in in the U.S. even uh, some people that I uh, train with, they have their own uh, business where they train certain. Uh, groups for certification courses, but behind the scenes, there's maybe an office manager and two or three trainers, but there's no uh, like a, a body that would be a governing body per se. Yeah, and that's fine. So uh, within our learning partners, we have all sorts of size and shapes and connotations of learning partners. So we have some colleges and universities that are our learning partners. We have some corporate organizations that are learning partners, but equally we have exactly the type that you just described. Hmm. I mean, now one of our top 10 learning partners actually started as a one-man consultant. Wow. In exactly that, that, that setup and has built that up from literally that, that, that level. So, you know, for us, it's about that ability to deliver a good experience for the learner and whether or not that's to 10 learners initially, you know, moving up to 100,000, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's that learning experience, that learner journey, getting somebody in the workplace that is going to make a, a difference. Wow. And that, uh, that would kind of lead me to think of uh, some of the, the countries that are, are really, you know, just love NIBOSH certifications, African countries, particular as I, I have been seeing things, you know, posted in different LinkedIn groups and everything. It seems like uh, Asian countries, African countries love uh, the structure of NIBAS, the dedication of of just you and the, the full team that you have. And it's a wonderful team, as I'm seeing, you know, you guys are very uh, diverse and uh, I, I like that that aspect to it. But it seems like a structure can also make it where it's it's good for the individual country and they may have less resources, but they could still participate in 
the active learning. Uh, so is it safe to say that that's, that may be a goal for yours as an organization? Absolutely. So that's part of the work we're doing at the moment to look globally. You know, where have we got, you know, a lot of learning partners? Where are the countries, the areas perhaps where there's not coverage and we can help either get new learning partners in those areas or perhaps expand the number that, that we've got? And that's very much part of what we do in the Learner Partner Program and our Learner Partner Quality Team is look at working with some of those smaller learning partners or learning partners that are just starting on this journey to help them deliver the service that we're looking for. Yeah, and I saw that you're, um, uh, you also have a, an agreement with uh, BCSP, and I don't know if there's any other organizations where if they have a, a designation already that they say here's a qualifi- qualification that we says this person that holds a designation meets this qualification that you then can usher them into one of your uh, equivalent certificate programs. Uh, That seems like that's a wonderful thing. Are there other entities that you've gone into agreements with uh, like that? Yeah, so it's certainly with the Canadian and the, and the American, you know, safety practitioners program, we have that agreement. And we've just revised our diploma qualification, Sheldon. So it's a really opportune time for us to look at where we can get that synergy with other bodies across the world. So we'll be doing that, that piece of work very shortly, but where we can show there's the equivalence and a qualification can travel globally. You know, we're very much, you know, looking to, to continue to do that. Excellent. Um for COVID-19, you know, those are some of the things that we've all had to, you know, pretty much you just juggle. And I, I'm now helping uh, people who haven't really been instructors online get more engaging online. They're just wonderful when they could instruct one-on-one. They've got all their tools. They got uh, things that they could bring to physically show in class that people could handle and demonstrate. But when you put them behind in a, a Zoom conference or one of the other conferences out there, they are intimidated themselves and therefore the message comes out like they're scared or they don't know the message, but they really do. And, uh, and there's a, a little disconnect between digital and, uh, even though the person knows the material, it's just, they're not there yet. Are you guys seeing the same thing uh, on your end? Yeah, I, I think so. It, it, it's so interesting. You know, I, I mean, the, the shift is across the world, but certainly, you know, I'm, I really believe, again, a good thing has come out of this dreadful pandemic in, in education and learning and assessment. It's really made, you know, organisations, ourselves included, you know, revisit what they do and how they do it. Mm-hmm. So I think you're absolutely right. It is a shift. It is a very different medium to be teaching and, and tutoring, you know, via Zoom or, or, or other online mechanisms. But for all the ones that are struggling a little bit and learning, you know, there are others, I think, that are just started to be even more innovative and creative with how they teach Uh, and and I think there's huge benefits in that because by tutors that have delivered face to face you know I count myself in this you know when you deliver in the same courses again and again yeah you know perhaps we don't take the time we need to re-energize it and reinvigorate it yeah whereas what the pandemic has done is made everybody step back and think right how do we re-deliver this in an engaging way via you know the different mediums Hmm. Wow. And there's people like yourself, Sheldon, that are out there that are going to help people to get over their, their digital nerve. Yeah, and I, I actually had to, uh, I do a lot of live streaming and I do a, a lot of uh, just video content. So when I first 
was starting with video content, even when I, I was doing my, my own learning management system, I had to get used to just looking at the camera, regardless of anything, and just imagining in my mind that this camera, I'm looking past it into an audience <laughs> is really mm-hmm. how, I'm, how I, I, every presentation I do, I'm just like, this is just a camera here. I'm looking past the camera for, uh, for my delivery. And if you've ever been on like a, a studio for, for some sort of news, you know, the camera is huge and they give you a little X to stand on and everything where you have to deliver this thing and there's lights everywhere. You feel you're melting. Uh, you kind of have to have something in your mind that's going to help you deliver the message without actually being scared. So that was one of the things I just put in the back of my head is, you know, no, no matter what the size of the camera is, no matter how many lights are on me, I'm going to look at the camera and just look like I'm, I'm just thinking beyond that camera is my audience. Uh, so that's that. There was a little mindset shift for myself that I had to think of. That's a great tip. A great tip. And I think that's what some trainers find find difficult. You know, again, I would include myself. You know, a really good tutor and trainer responds to people's faces and and, and body language. Yeah. So yeah, that is a different skill again. When, like you say, you can't act. You've got to visualize your audience, and that's a great tip. But when you actually can't see them, it's being confident enough to visualize them engaged and not falling asleep, <laughs> which I'm sure when you're talking that it isn't the latter, but, but yeah, it's difficult yeah. when you can't see the, re- the reaction that, that you're having on your audience. Yeah. Well, those things is truly, you, um, you already have a database of what audience reactions look like and their faces and, and yeah. even their laughing point. So you just go relying on that database that you've had for years and years of all your instruction. And you just imagine that that's what they're doing. And then yeah. them to, to bring it to the digital save is you say, Oh yeah, I know you guys are laughing right now. Or you say, <laughs> I know, I know right now you're look, giving me that look. I'll pause. I'll pause while you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pause while you laugh. That's something right like it. that. And yeah, it, it, you, they know that you know that yes, this is probably what they're doing. So it, it does help in that way. Um, had a question that just came up to me when we're uh, thinking of the, the new delivery method. And I know a lot of organizations, I teach for one that uh, they do a certification of occupational safety specialist, COS, C-O-S-S. And they have another one, uh, certificate of occupational safety managers. So as soon as uh, COVID really came to the States and right around March of last year, they were like, oh, <laughs> this thing is more than we thought. And we've been getting cancellations or they had to cancel due to wanting to be responsible. And now they're like, we need to think of a different way to start delivering. And then they created virtual costs, virtual costs, Sam, and I was part of the team to help them with that. Um, what did you guys have to do as an organization to, because uh, you physically have a location that everyone needs to go to it for working and everything else. So you had to deal with it on a, on a structural side for your administration. But then now you have, you know, uh, partners that you have to deal with. And then how do you mentor them into the same thing you're doing at your physical location? And then your delivery method for all of your certification and courses that now needs to take a lo- another look. And in an organization, your size and your reach, that to me is daunting. How did you guys do this? Uh, another good question. So. Uh, our first priority back, and again, it was March last year for us as well. Our, our first priority before the first national lockdown here was was our, our employees. 
So first and foremost, it was about how do we get, you know, 100 plus people who are predominantly all office based, how do we get them home and, and mm. safe? And how my colleagues responded to that was just incredible. You know, literally over a space of a few, day, of a few days, once we took that decision, which was about a week before our lockdown, that we needed to get our people home, yeah. everybody just responded to that. You know, we made sure people had laptops, they took chairs and screens and, and things home with them so they could work in good positions of postures at home. We got some new guidance out there for people. And literally, that happened towards the back end of one week. By Monday morning, the next week, our entire staff were functional working from home. Wow. Uh, you know, there was a few little glitches and a few little workarounds, but generally it was business as usual on, on, on that, that, that Monday morning. Okay, we couldn't respond to the phones as, as we did. And so there were some, some changes, but generally we were able to still function as, as the organisation that, that we are. Uh, the next challenge then was our learning partners, as you say, Sheldon. So as it became bigger than I think we all first anticipated, yet courses were being cancelled, they couldn't deliver face-to-face. And that's when we started working with those learning partners to re-accredit their courses and qualifications to deliver blended learning, e-learning digitally and, and so on. And that's where we've seen some great innovation and creativity yeah. you know, come along. The next biggest challenge was our learners. So at the point of March last year, a significant number of our endpoint assessments were venue sat examinations. So they all had to be quite rightly cancelled, postponed. So we had thousands of learners stranded, many of them ready to sit those endpoint assessments. So we are very uh, blessed with a very good relationship with our regulator. So uh, the SQS Qualifications Authority are our regulators and awarding body. We worked with them from May onwards to start revisiting our endpoint assessments. And we started with our general certificates, our national and international general certificates, because that's where we have the largest number of our learners stranded. Mm-hmm. And we completely changed the assessment point and replaced the venue set examination with our open book examination. So again, the commitment of, of my colleagues and the commitment of the learning partners to get that out there to our learners in just a phenomenally short time. Yeah. Uh, was just astounding. So that process started around May. We delivered our first open book examination in in uh, August last year. Oh, wow. So, uh, and we're now working on other assessment points because, again, I think, you know, people underestimated the length of these restrictions and, and, and the lockdown and the impact of the pandemic. So, yeah, I, I can remember closing the office with some colleagues and thinking this all seems very surreal and very strange, but we'll be back in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And we're nearly a year down the line and all our staff are still, are still working from home. But, but yeah, as I keep saying, Sheldon, some really amazing things have come out of an incredibly challenging situation. And I think in the space of education and assessment, it's made us better. It's made us, and you'll see this, I'm sure, and embrace it as well, it's made us grab hold of the amazing technology that is out there and, and use it to enhance learning and to enhance assessment. And our, our objective throughout all of this was just to be able to reach any learner anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and technology allows us to do that. So 
Yeah, we're not there yet. We're still working on you know, making sure that all of our qualifications can be assessed by every learner. But we we hit the nail and on the head and got the majority of our learners moving with the general certificate assessments. Wow. Um, to me, I'm hearing a whole bunch of things that uh, my, my previous life, I used to uh, be of a, a, a worker for the state of Florida. So I worked for a special district of the state of Florida in a wastewater treatment facility where I was the plant manager in charge of several other entities, uh, or should say several different things that would make that one facility run, including having to make sure that our infrastructure uh, digitally was safe and secure from cyber attacks, because that was one of the things that would be uh, very uh-huh. big on our mind. So uh, in all of the SSL, the security certificates and everything else, and making sure that there's integrity in the system with chains and, and uh, physical locks that would be digital locks, obviously, that you had to make sure that those things were all in place. Everything that you're telling me and just saying to me, I, I keep having that digital security in my in the back of my mind. And then I'm also thinking about the delivery mechanism of how each one of these programs would work. And the quickest way to do that would be partnerships rather than you trying to build a pipeline digitally to get that going. So now you have to vet these partners and make sure that they have encrypted software. And uh, is this going to be mobile where someone could have it on their phone? And how's that encrypted? And uh, that that's to me is what, what I'm hearing. That seems so daunting as a task. You must have quite a little roadmap going for your organization. Yeah, we do. And that's exactly the term that, that we use. You know, there's a, transforta- a transformation roadmap for the whole organization. And one of the cornerstones of that is the technical transformation mm. to be able to deliver all of the assessments, whatever that assessment piece is, to be able to deliver that digitally with all of that, that safety and security built in, as, as, as you say. And with that first open book examination, we did have some learners because of the restrictions and the areas they were in that were actually able to complete that, you know, via a phone. Mm. That was literally you know, what we meant by any, any learner anywhere. Wow. I like that term. Any learner anywhere. Mm. Oh, that's excellent. Is that a, a, a motto that you guys have always had, or did you have to, um, had to create that one? That was just created as, as, you know, the objective of that first assessment. It's like, right, what do we need to do to, you know, to beat these restrictions and to get an assessment out to, as we've said, and any learner and anywhere. All right. Start the t-shirt factory. That, that is a t-shirt right there. <laughs> Put yes, the, the yes. Nivas logo yes. right on the, right on the, the chest patch. <laughs> and that's onto it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Get, get, get them onto that right now. Your marketing team, <laughs> they need that. <laughs> oh, is there anything that you want to give to my audience that, that especially people who are now thinking, all right, I can do this. I just need maybe a certificate in my country. I know NIBOSH goes beyond a national certificate, even though you do have national and international uh, certification. Um, what would the tip be to, to help those that really feel they're ready to get these certifications and it will help them build on their own personal business as a consultant? Uh, what, what would you say? I think the first thing is just to know that you can do it. You know, if you've got, you know, the shared passion, you know, that you're here in between shells and I, if you've got that passion to make a difference, then, you know, that ignites your learning journey. 
because you will embrace what you learn and that passion will carry that through to you implementing that knowledge into your workplaces. So yeah. you know, don't be intimidated by the certifications and, and, and the courses and the qualifications. You know, there's a vast variety of learning partners out there. There's different ways to learn that suits your own learning style. So take some time to look at which learning partner you want to work with and choose the one that suits you know your learning style ask them about their terms and conditions and the support that they will give you so make sure the time frames involved actually allow you to complete your your learning and your assessment in a way that suits you and your your life and other commitments and enjoy it you know enjoy the learning and and enjoy you know being coming part of you know a great community you know, as I said at the beginning of this, this session, you know, what has kept me on this journey is, yes, the difference that we all make, but the people you meet along the way that, that share that passion. And and I think the other thing, Sheldon, I'd say right now is that what the pandemic has brought in the health and safety world, I think, is an even higher regard for health and safety practitioners. You know, their skills are needed now more than ever with the challenges that we've got with, with this pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah, come on board and join, a, you know, a fantastic profession and community. Oh, excellent. So what I'm, uh, I'm summarizing is don't say I can't do this, but how can I do this? How can I make this happen? Absolutely. That's another T-shirt. Oh, there we go. We got two of them going. Where's our company? <laughs> Get one of those coming. Well, I truly appreciate you taking some time and talking with me. I just had a wonderful, wonderful time with you. Thank you so much, Dee. It's my great pleasure, Sheldon, and likewise. This episode has been powered by Safety FM.